The Word of God, the Holy Bible, is a treasure and a gift beyond compare. Every passage of it points to a marvelous truth that God's love for man impelled him to step out of eternity and unite with his creation in order to redeem him from sin. Jesus Christ is both the author and subject of this precious word. Join us at the Superior Word each week as we search out this wonderful gift in search of Christ Jesus. Okay, I got something to read you. And uh, this is uh, the reason why I'm going to do this now before a sermon is because I assume that most people, not the Prophecy Update people, a lot of them just sign on and they watch it and they leave. But the people that care about the church will probably listen to the sermons. And uh, so I will leave this on the edited sermon uh, for, uh, you know, on the YouTube edited sermon. But I want you all to know this and I'd like you to think about it maybe pray about it. Um, uh, Hedico does not know what she and I have given for missions over the years. She has no idea. I've just paid every uh, month or annually for people. But Hedico is now retired. And so I will not be able to support the people that we have supported the way that we have supported in the past. It's not going to be possible. And I'm not asking anybody to do this. I'm just simply saying that if the Lord puts this on your heart, this is who we support. And these are people that you could either individually pick up or you could say, if you're a millionaire, I will take them all. And I'd be happy about that. But these are the people that we, Hedico and I, support. Jolin Missy out in Washington State. He is a a uh, pilot instructor, a missionary pilot instructor. He was a missionary for years as a pilot into the Philippines. He grew up as a missionary child. Uh, he now instructs these people. It is a very specialized field. They're underfunded. Um, they, I, I give them every single year in December $1,000. If they need more, which they always do, I give it to them. I just sent them a check for $1,000 about a week or two ago, maybe three weeks ago, but a minimum thousand dollars is what we send every year. The people in Pakistan, I provide as needed. I always appeal first to the church to help them in Pakistan. If not, I will fill in as needed. And sometimes it's two or three hundred dollars a month that I add in. Priscilla Pedersen is in CRU in Orlando. She's been to this church. She's a very sweet young lady. Uh, she is now married and she does missionary work here in America instead of in China, where she was a missionary, okay? Uh, I give her $1,000 every year and as needed. Sometimes it's an extra 1000 if she, you know, she's got children now, etc. So uh, we do that. Remy in the Philippines, who I brought up over the past couple of years, her husband Dennis died. She has carried on his ministry. She does a prison ministry. She brings people into her home. She, uh, young children that are abused and so on, she takes care of them. I send her at least $200 every month, and that comes out to $2,400 a year. Often it's quite a bit more than that because these people have needs. Isaac in Uganda, I have tried to every month for the past, since I met him years and years ago, give him four to $500 a month, okay? We're not going to be able to do that anymore, but that's about $4,800 to $6,000 a year that we have given him. Silas in Kenya, I've sent him faithfully $400 a month every month. That's $4,800 a year. Uh, he, I'm not asking anybody to do this. I'm just asking you that if you want to pick up one of these missionaries, please consider it. 
uh, I picked up in the past year Epaphras in Tanzania, and I sent him between two and four hundred dollars a month. That's twenty-four hundred to forty-eight hundred dollars a month. He's last because he was the last one we picked up, and so I can can't you know commit one month. I say I can't give you anything, um, but uh, that's Epaphras in Tanzania, and uh, then next is Ray and Jess Willett in Papua New Guinea. For years and years, I've known them since they were young. They went overseas. We give them $30 every month, and then we give them $1,000 every Christmas. Okay, that's $1,360 a year. I don't need to give him more than that because he is funded by other people as well. But uh, we do that, and then when they come, I always try to raise support for them. But uh, that's Ray and Jess Willett in Papua New Guinea. Uh, then local missions, this is just something that I've taken up over the past years, is I pay for the people that do the local missions down in the projects. Uh, I take care of that 50 to $75 a week. I pick something up for them. I won't say what it is, but I've done that. It's about $3,000 a year. Uh, just depends on how many people go. But uh, that comes out to if somebody is really rich and wants to pick up this whole thing, it's going to be about $19,000 a year that we pay for missionaries. Um, I don't know how much we're going to be able to do because I have never, ever counted what comes into this church. Jim knows what comes into this church. Jay, most of the time, checks that as well. I don't know. I've never looked because there's not been a need. Uh, I have a part-time, actually three part-time jobs, and Hedico has worked. And so I... You know, if something comes into the church, I take it to the bank and I hand it to the girl and I tell her, you handle this. I don't want to know because it was not a priority with me. My wife is my priority. And so I have to make sure that uh, our bills are going to be paid from now on out and that uh, uh, she can continue to live the lavish lifestyle that she's always <laughs> lived. But um, so that that is if any of those people have come to your heart and you say, I want to pick up that ministry or that ministry, great. I'm not asking you to do it. I'm just simply saying that this is what I give, and I know that we're not going to be able to do this in the future. So um, I, I, I'm actually sorry to have to even present this to you, but I want these people who I care about funded if possible. Um, there are also transfer fees. Uh, when you send things, it usually comes out in a month because of all the transfers I do. It usually comes out to about 150 bucks. I mean, it, every transfer is five to twenty dollars. So it just depends on where you're sending them to. But uh, keep that in mind. Those are the people that we have over the years taken care of. Some of them, I don't care if I, uh, you know, have to eat soup. I'm going to continue to take care of them if nobody does. Some of them I just cannot fund the way we did. That's where we're at. Keep that in mind. Please consider it and. Uh, there you go. Today's sermon is a lot of verses. There's not a lot of typology in them. You'll understand that. Uh, oh, thank you. I'll read that in just a second. Uh, thank you. I'm glad you said that. I'm a little off my, my game today. Um, but the, the sermon itself will be 16 verses. It's a lot of verses, and we'll go through all of them. Uh, so don't look for a lot of uh, typology and what we normally do just because of the nature of these verses. But we'll start first, thank you, Burke, with Psalm 101, a psalm of David. I will sing of mercy and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. 
A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Early I will destroy all of the wicked of the land that I may cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. We are in Joshua 23. We're going to do the entire chapter today. It's verses 1 through 16. Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua was old, advanced in age. And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. See, I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. You shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, and lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God, as you have done to this day." For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you, as he promised you. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Or else, if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you and make marriages with them and go in to them and they to you, Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you, not one of them has failed. Therefore it shall come to pass that as all the good things have come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all harmful things until he has destroyed you from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. Joshua is nearing the end of his leadership. Before his death, he takes time to remind Israel of the Lord's faithfulness to them according to the word. This serves as a warning to the people as well. In his words, Joshua will remind Israel of the Lord's covenant faithfulness. Based on that, he will call for the people's obedience to the Lord. Their obedience will ensure their continued presence in the land. 
He will warn against idolatry and clearly explain what failing to heed his warnings will result in. The reason he can do this is because nearly everything that is said in this chapter is quoted directly or indirectly from the law of Moses. In the law are found the blessings and the curses that will come upon the people based on how they conduct themselves before the Lord. Concerning the details of the curses, Henry Hart Millman, in his History of the Jews, says this, The sublimity of the denunciations of the Hebrew lawgiver contained in these passages surpasses anything in the oratory or the poetry of the whole world. Nature is exhausted in furnishing terrific images Nothing excepting the real horrors of the Jewish history, the miseries of their sieges, the cruelty, the contempt, the oppressions, the persecutions which for ages this scattered and despised and detested nation have endured can approach the tremendous maledictions which warned them against the violation of their law. Milman wrote that in 1843. Could he have imagined that the plight of the Jews will someday end? It will, even if it is yet future to us now. Our text verse comes from Zephaniah 3. It is verses 14 and 15. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. One might think that with the return of Israel, the people to their homeland, that the tremendous maledictions that Milman wrote about might be behind them. But this is not the case. There is a dividing line that must be crossed before that day of blessing and restoration comes. Zephaniah, as well as much of the Old Testament, assures us that someday it will come about. That dividing line is faith in Christ Jesus. The book of Joshua has stood as an amazing witness concerning the coming of Jesus and of Israel's finally coming to him. But it has shown countless other pictures as well. While we are living in the time of many of those pictures, and while we anticipate the fulfillment of others, Israel is still bound to the law of Moses and the blessings and curses that are detailed there. As they are not right with God at this time, only the latter can currently be expected for them. And yet, They are now prospering. They are a leader in the world in many ways. But this is a time of preparation for the troubles that lie ahead. If not for the military, scientific, and political achievements that they have, they would not survive the tribulation period. And even with them, they will barely come through it. Were it not for the covenant faithfulness of the Lord, meaning Him making their ability to be militarily strong available to them, and of his careful watch over them, they and indeed the whole world would not survive what lies ahead. Jesus said as much in Matthew 24, verse 22, and unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Joshua is repeating Moses, and Moses recorded the word of the Lord. The warning comes from God who does not lie. Israel's history has proven this. It's all to be found in his superior word. And so let us turn to that precious word once again, and may God speak to us through his word today, and may his glorious name ever be praised. I've got two thoughts for you today. The first is, hold fast to the Lord your God. It is verses 1 through 10. 
Verse 1, now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about. The words are more of a paraphrase than a translation. And it was from days many, after which had given rest Jehovah to Israel from all their enemies from around. The wording is based on the words of Joshua 21, 43 through 45. It said there, so the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give them to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around, according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. From that time until the time now being highlighted, it has been from many days. If this is Joshua's final year, and he died at 110 years old, then this is about six to seven years after those words were recorded. Further, it is 13 to 14 years after the conquest of Canaan. It is at this time, verse 1 continues, that Joshua was old, advanced in age. Vichoshua zakin ba bayamim, and Joshua old, entered in the days. It is the same expression stated in Joshua 13, verse 1, which said, Now Joshua was old, advanced in years. At that time, he would have been around 103 or 104 years old. Time has moved on, and Joshua's not gotten any younger. He can obviously sense that time is drawing to a close for him. Verse 2, And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. The words are in the singular, referring to Israel as a single man. And called Joshua to all Israel, to his elders, and to his heads, and to his judges, and to his officers. Some say the word elders refers to all of these men, which is then explained by heads, judges, and officers. However, the word to before each category and the word and before each subsequent category does not agree with that. Rather, it is four categories. The elders would be the 70 leaders, eventually known as the Sanhedrin. The heads are the chief men of the families. The judges are those who interpreted the law and made decisions based on their analyses. The word used to describe the officers, shoter, comes from a word indicating to write, Thus, they were scribes, or by implication, officers, superintendents, or magistrates. It is to these that Joshua called, verse 2 continues, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. There is a repetitive stress in the words, Vayomer alehem ani zakanti bati bayamim, and said to them, I, I am old, I have entered in the days. Because of how he presents his words, it was intended that those who hear him would reflect more carefully on what he was about to say. Therefore, he now begins to explain the formal reason for having called them. Verse 3, you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. Rather than because of you, it speaks of the action of the Lord. And you have seen all which has done Jehovah, your God, to all the nations, the these from your face. The meaning is that right in front of them, right before their eyes, they have witnessed everything the Lord has done. With that, he next says, verse 3 continues, for the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. 
It is a letter for letter repeat of what Moses says in Deuteronomy 322. If you ever want to know how to do that, how I know it's letter for letter, I don't count the letters or anything. What I do is I take one copy here and one copy here on separate pages on my computer and I click on them and I evaluate back and forth and you can see any letter change or even any part of a letter change by doing that. And so that's how I check these things. I do it all the time because I want to know why certain things have changes in them. If they're the same, then you don't need to worry about it. But that's how I do that in case you ever want to do that type of a study. The words here are emphatic and the verb is more personal, being prefixed by an article. Ki Yehovah Elohechem hu ha-nilcham lachem. For Yehovah your God, he, the fighting to you. As Moses said these things and as Joshua repeats them now letter for letter, The Lord alone should receive the praise and glory for what has transpired. Israel beheld prophecy fulfilled as uttered by Moses. As for the words, they are second person plural. They are directed to the entire congregation who served under Joshua, but he was himself under the Lord. Though Israel was, in fact, in the battles, it was the Lord who was the unseen force behind the victories. But it is also true that he stood against them when they failed to obediently follow him. This was seen just after the Battle of Jericho in the incident of Ahan and their defeat in the Battle of Ai. As long as Israel was properly aligned with the Lord, the Lord was with Joshua and thus with Israel. After this was spoken by Moses in Deuteronomy 3, it was repeated again by Moses later in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 31, then he inaugurated Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, be strong and of good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land of which I swore to them, and I will be with you. Israel and the Lord and what happened between them have been completely interconnected. The Lord's plan is set and it has thus far come to pass. That plan has included all of the obedience Israel displayed leading to victory, but it has also included all of Israel's disobedience leading to defeat. The connection between the two is based on the covenant which exists between them. They are inseparable because the word and promises of the Lord reflect who he is. Even when Israel violated their side of the covenant, that in no way negated the Lord's faithfulness to it. That's the same with you and me, folks. If we violate our part of the new covenant, he will never violate his. If he has sealed you, you are sealed. And if you are sealed, you will be brought to glory. Joshua lets them know that this will continue throughout their history. That means even to this day. For those who fail to understand this, they become enmeshed in a world of irresponsible theology. They claim the rights to the covenant promises of God, even at the exclusion of Israel the very group to whom the covenant promises were made. Until those covenant promises are fulfilled and Israel enters the new covenant in Christ, the Lord will continue to work in and through this otherwise disobedient nation. In the end, his plans and purposes for them as a collective whole will be realized. As for the words of Joshua, they continue saying, verse four, see, I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes. Rather, re'u hipalti lachem et ha-goyim ha-nisharim ha-ele benachala lev shivtechem. See, I have caused to fall to you the nations, the remainers, the these, in inheritance to your tribes. 
The words caused to fall signify the falling of the lot. Joshua is taking no credit by saying this. The state of the lot, by definition, is caused apart from his direction. His hand is the principal cause of the action. The lot itself is the instrumental cause. And the determination of the lot, meaning what it defines, is the final cause, the end purpose of it. The decision rendered is ultimately of the Lord. The lots had fallen and each inheritance was set. Any remaining peoples within the inheritances were to be removed by each tribe according to the word of the Lord. Please remember what I just said. I'll read it again. Any remaining peoples within the inheritances were to be removed by each tribe according to the word of the Lord. Get ready for next week and see if they obeyed. This was to be, verse 4 continues, from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. The Young's literal translation makes the second clause parenthetical, and that seems to be the best way of presenting this. It says, Min hayarden vekal hagoyim asher hikrati vehayam hagadol mebo hashemesh. From the Jordan, parentheses, and all the nation which I have cut off, and the sea, the great, from entrance the sun. In other words, the words and all the nations which I have cut off are to be taken with the nations, the remainers of the previous verse. Joshua had done his part to cut off the nations. Israel now had to complete the task by destroying any unconquered people that remained, clearing out the entire land of Canaan from east to west. I said next week, I, I think I'm thinking of Joshua, I'm sorry, Judges chapter 1. Okay, I did Judges chapter 1 sermon this morning, the graphics for it, and I think that's what I'm on my mind. So remember Judges chapter 1 when we get there and what I read about those nations being cut off. Okay, I think that's what I'm thinking of, not next week's sermon. I got so many things going on in this little brain, it's hard to keep track of it all. Anyway, we'll go on. With that, Joshua continues with the words that reflect what Moses instructed them. Verse 5, and the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. Rather, it reads, and Jehovah your God, he will thrust them from before your face and dispossess them. Here, using the word hadaf, to thrust or to push, and the same word yarash, meaning to possess or dispossess, he speaks the same thought as Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 6, where Moses wrote this, and you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you, and that you may go in and possess yarash, the good land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to cast out Hadath, all your enemies from before you, as the Lord has spoken. The same general thought, again, using the same word, Yarash, or possess, is seen in the next clause. Verse 5 continues, so you shall possess their land, as the Lord your God promised you. Rather, ve'rishtem et artsam ka'ashur deber Yehovah Elohechem lachem, and possess their land according to which spoke Jehovah your God to you. As you can see, the word Yarash signifies to both dispossess and to possess. One can also say disinherit and inherit. One moves out, the other moves in. Both circumstances are to be permanent. The Lord said this would be the case. Because of this, if Israel fails to possess it, it will be solely because of a lack of action on their part based on a lack of faith in and adherence to his word. To avoid such a state, 
Joshua next says, verse 6, Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Rather than courageous, it is referring to the state of steadfastness. And be strong, very, to keep and to do all the written in book, law, Moses. The word chazak, for example, was used in Exodus when Pharaoh hardened his heart. He made it strong against the Lord's miracles. In this case, Joshua is repeating the words of Moses that were spoken to him, speaking to the leaders who will continue after he is gone. Here it says, Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong, chazak, and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. The words Moses spoke to Joshua are recorded in the book of the law, along with other such words that Moses recorded. The reason for them being very strong in this is, verse 6 continues, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. Lest turning aside from it right and left. The subject is the book which contains the Torah or law. The word Torah comes from yara, a word that indicates casting or shooting, like an arrow. Hence, it carries with it the sense of direction, pointing something out. To turn aside, the Hebrew word sur, to the right or left, would be to depart from the direction of the law contained in the book. One can get the sense of this from what is said of Hezekiah in 2 Kings 18, verse 6, where it says, For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart, sur, meaning turn aside, from following him, but kept his commandments which the Lord had commanded Moses. In obeying Moses, Hezekiah obeyed the law as the Lord gave through Moses. Therefore, in keeping Moses' commandments, he did not depart, meaning turn aside from following after the Lord. This is the sense of Joshua's words now. All of this is summed up in what was said to Joshua by the Lord in Joshua chapter 1. Here it says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This is what Joshua has faithfully done as recorded in the book of Joshua. The mantle is now being passed to the leaders of Israel in anticipation that they too will act faithfully in this manner. His admonitions are to be a safety against what he continues to warn about. Verse 7, and lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods. It is very precise here. Lest go in the nations, thee these, the remainings, thee these, among you, and in name their gods, no shall remember. 
there are still people in the land that were under the ban. The law of Moses mandated extermination. It also mandated that they never invoke the name of their gods. This goes back to Exodus 23, verse 13, where the Lord said the same thing to the people. And in all that I have said to you, be circumspect and make no mention of, meaning remember, the name of other gods, nor let it be heard from your mouth. In these instances, the word gods is plural, but the word name is singular. It is as if the names of the various gods are all lumped together as one. There is the name of the Lord, and there is the name of any other God that is not the Lord. Verse 7 continues, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them. Velo tashbiu, velo ta'avdum, velo tishtahavu lachem. And no swear, and no you shall serve them, and no bow down to them. In remembering the name of their gods, they will then be tempted to interact with them, swearing by them in oaths and agreements, serving them through sacrifices and offerings, and worshiping them through the act of prostration, such as absolutely forbidden. Verse 8, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God. Ki'im elohechem tidbaku. For lo, in Jehovah your God, you shall cling in contrast to having any affliction with other gods, Israel is to hold fast to the Lord alone. Verse 8 continues, as you have done to this day. Joshua acknowledges that they have been doing this up until this point, and the Lord has been with them. This is referring to the end of their wilderness wanderings when they crossed over the Jordan. Before that, the record of their travels was marked with disobedience. However, under the leadership of Joshua, Apart from the transgression of Ahan, they have stayed the course and held fast to the Lord. They are to continue this without diverting from it at any future point. This is the same basic thought seen in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and elsewhere. There it says, you shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. In his words, Joshua next notes that their past adherence to the Lord has realized positive results. Verse 9, for the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. Some translations make these words future. Other state, would somebody get the phone please? (laughs) Some translation make these words future. Others state them as what has already taken place. Either way, as in verse 5, the word Yarash is used. And dispossessed Jehovah from your face, nations great and mighty. Despite the fact that Israel entered the battle, Joshua is careful to assign the credit for their victories as having come from the Lord. The words here call to remembrance the great battle of Joshua 11. Here's what it said. So they went out, they and all their armies with them, as many people as the sand that is on the seashore in multitude, with very many horses and chariots. And when all these kings had met together, they came and camped together at the waters of Moron to fight against Israel. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel, who defeated them and chased them to greater Sidon, to the brook Mizraphot, and to the valley of Mizpah eastward. They attacked them until they left none of them remaining. So Joshua did to them as the Lord had told him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots with fire. Joshua continues with his words of admonishment and encouragement, saying, verse 9 continues, But as for you... No one has been able to stand against you to this day. 
The words are emphatic. Ve'atem lo amad ish bifnechem ad hayom hazeh. And you? No stand man in your face to the day the this. The people had gone against the enemy and not one of them was able to stand up against Israel. The words of this verse were also something stated again and again in the book of Deuteronomy, such as Deuteronomy 11, for if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. Next, Joshua makes a superlative promise to the people. Verse 10, one man of you shall chase a thousand. Ishechad mikem yirdaf alef. Man one from you shall chase thousand. This has not been stated in these terms before, although two similar verses have been recorded. First, the Lord promised that when Israel was obedient to the covenant, they would have great success in battle. Leviticus 26, 8, five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. However, in the Song of Moses, it was promised exactly the opposite of what Joshua now says to the people. How could one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them? Moses prophesied that in their turning from the Lord, this great calamity would fall upon them. To encourage the people to remain steadfast, Joshua turns that on its head and tells them that if they remain faithful, they will be the nation where one will chase a thousand. Verse 10 continues, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you. It is the exact same phrase just stated in verse 23, verse 3, for Jehovah your God, he, the fighting to you. It is the Lord who would guarantee victory. His presence would ensure that it is so. Verse 10 continues, as he promised you. According to which spoke to you. These words explain the second clause, not the first. The Lord declared that he would fight for them, and Joshua once again confirms this. This was found in Deuteronomy 3. It says, and I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So will the Lord do to all the kingdoms through which you pass. You must not fear them, for the Lord your God himself fights for you. With blessing I shall bless you, and you shall be blessed by me. When you are careful to observe and do, you shall be blessed by me abundantly. Follow the path that will lead you to me, and do not turn to the left nor right. Be persistent in following it diligently. Keep me in the center of your sight. O Israel, the blessing is waiting for you. If you will just heed the word that I have spoken, follow the path that leads to life anew, and I will heal the hearts, desolate and broken. Our second thought today is until you perish. It's verses 11 through 16. Verse 11, therefore, take careful heed to yourselves. And be watchful very to your souls. The words are letter for letter, the same as Deuteronomy 4, verse 15. They're referred to refraining from idolatry. Here it is commanding them to hold fast to the Lord. Verse 11 continues, that you love the Lord your God. To love Jehovah your God. These words are repeated 10 times in the book of Deuteronomy. 
They're generally associated with keeping the Lord's commandments, walking in his ways, and so on. To love the Lord is to do these things. One cannot say, I love Jehovah, and yet not obey his commandments. Because he is God, his words are a reflection of who he is. As his commands include serving him, as well as refraining from serving other gods, to love him includes being obedient to him. Joshua, understanding this, next says, verse 12, or else, if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you, Joshua speaks very carefully and emphatically to the leaders. Ki'im shov tashuvu ud baktem beyater hagoim ha'ele hanisharim ha'ele itchem. For lo, turning you turn and cling in remnant the nations, the these, the remaining, the these among you. If they purpose to cling to the remnant of these nations, it is a clear demonstration that they are not loving the Lord. Instead, they would be disobeying the unambiguous commands of the Lord. Verse 12, and make marriages with them and go into them and they to you. It's a bit of a mouthful. And make marriages in them and go in them and they in you. The use of the prefix be or in speaks of intimacy. In this case, the physical intimacy of the marriage. The repetition of the prefix provides emphasis. Instead of being be Yehovah or in Yehovah, there is a foreign intimacy that is highlighted. This was explicitly forbidden in Deuteronomy chapter 7, where it says, and when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. This would demonstrate a complete failure of the people to love the Lord. The reason is because such marriages will lead to the apostasy of the people. Therefore, verse 13, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you. Again, Joshua speaks emphatically, Yadoa tedu kilo Yosif Yehova Elohechem lehorish et hagoim haele mi lifnechem. Knowing you shall know, for no adding Yehovah your God to dispossess the nations, thee these, from your face. Through their actions, they will prove that they love the nations among them more than they love the Lord. Therefore, Joshua lets them know that the Lord will give them what they want. Therefore, verse 13 continues, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Rather, it says, and they shall be to you a snare and to trap and to scourge in your sides and to thorns in your eyes until you perish from upon the land, the good, the this, which gave to you Jehovah your God. For reference, the word shotet or scourge is found only here in scripture. It comes from shot, a scourge. Also, the word translated as thorn, tsanin, is found for the second and last time in scripture. It is derived from the word tsen, a thorn. 
As for Joshua's words, they follow upon what was spoken by the Lord to Moses in Numbers 35, where it says, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Moreover, it shall be that I will do to you as I thought to do to them. Without going into great detail, the meaning is clear. The people will be led astray by the bad examples of the people they commune with. They will be lured in, trapped, and afflicted because of their interactions with them. Eventually, there will be no remedy except that they perish from the land, either through death or exile. With this having been said, Joshua reminds them again of the goodness of the Lord toward them. Verse 14, Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. More literally, and behold, I walk the day in way all the earth. Joshua is on a journey, and he knows it is ending. His walk is almost complete, and so before he is gone, he wants to again remind them of the goodness of the Lord. Verse 14 continues, And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. Again, more literally, and know in all your hearts and in all your souls, for no has fallen word one from all the words, the good, which spoke Jehovah your God upon you. The words are similar to those which closed out chapter 21. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. The Lord spoke his promises in the past, and since then they have been carried upon the stream of time just as when he spoke them out. As time passed, the words remained faithful, being fulfilled at times or continuing to wait for their fulfillment at whatever time they are destined to come about. But not a single one of them has fallen without either being fulfilled or awaiting their fulfillment. The Lord has constantly been faithful to his spoken word. Until this point, verse 14 continues, all have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. And again, the all came to you, no has fallen from it, word one. Because of the word of the Lord, the people were brought into Canaan. Because of the word, they were victorious in battle. Because of the word, they received their inheritances. Because of the word, they have received rest on all sides. Such blessings have come because of the word of the Lord. This then, when rightly considered, is a promise for future blessing or a promise of future cursing. The same Lord who promised the good for obedience and who has fulfilled his word has also spoken forth curses for disobedience. Israel cannot claim the blessing in the future unless they remain obedient. Instead, they must expect the Lord to be consistent to his word alone. Verse 15, therefore it shall come to pass that as all the good things have come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, more literally it says, and it shall be according to which have come upon you all the word, the good, which spoke Jehovah your God upon you. Joshua is preparing for a conclusion based on the reality that currently exists. The word of the Lord was spoken forth. It was a good word, and it came to pass just as he had spoken upon his people. 
as this is certain and undeniable because his audience is the object of the word, therefore, verse 15 continues, so the Lord will bring upon you all harmful things until he has destroyed you from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Again, so will bring Jehovah upon you all the word, the evil, until he destroys you from upon the ground, the good, the this, which have to you, Jehovah your God. As certain as the good had come upon the people in the land because of the source of the word, it was just as certain that all the evil in that same word would come upon them if they turned aside. This evil being referred to is found throughout the Torah from the time of the cutting of the covenant at Sinai. However, the main brunt of the words are found in Leviticus 26 and in Deuteronomy 28. Israel had to know and understand that the same Lord who spoke forth the blessing and who was faithful to fulfill his word also spoke out the curses and would be faithful to fulfill all of them as well. Joshua was reminding them of just what Moses had already told them. With that, he provides one last warning. Verse 16, when you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them. To be precise, it says, in your crossing over covenant, Jehovah your God, which commanded you, and have walked and served gods other and have bowed down to them. To pass over the covenant means to transgress. It is as if one has removed himself from the covenant. The way this has come about is explained as walking astray and going to serve other gods, bowing down to them and worshiping them. By doing this, they have crossed over the covenant. This doesn't mean, though, that they are no longer under it. The covenant stands even if they have removed themselves from it. The Lord will remain faithful to it despite their actions. As such, the response is his in relation to their actions. Thus, verse 16 finishes with, Then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. The words read, And has burned nostril Jehovah in you, and you have perished quickly from upon the land the good which gave to you. One can get the sense of the Lord standing among Israel, watching them as they go marrying foreign women, whoring after their gods, ignoring him after all he had done for them. The word that he had spoken was meticulously fulfilled for their good, and it was for naught. As he sees their harlotries, he fumes smoke from his nostrils, and his anger is aroused. In this state, and with their failures to repent and turn to him, he begins to meticulously destroy them. Were it not for his covenant faithfulness to not utterly wipe them out, there would be no hope at all. In considering the typology seen in Joshua, this passage is given to show us that in Christ, God has fulfilled every messianic promise to Israel. He failed in nothing of what was set before him, and yet they rejected him, and once again they were destroyed as a people and scattered among the nations. They did, in fact, transgress the covenant of the Lord God. And so within a short time, they perished quickly from the good land that he had given them. But with the Lord is both justice and righteousness. He is given and will continue to give Israel what it deserves, but he will remain faithful to his word that says they will never, ever be destroyed as a people. They will enter the new covenant someday, but for the time of the law, Joshua warns them that they are bound to it. 
As this truth continues, then they can only expect more trouble ahead. Not until they come to Christ Jesus will this change. This is the warning coming forth from Joshua. Joshua and Israel have been used almost innumerable times in this book to detail what lies ahead in prophetic history. But until Israel accepts what those types and pictures point to, they remain bound to the old covenant. The Lord is faithful to his word. The fact that he is faithful to Israel is because of this. It is the word that binds them to him and he to them. As Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the word, there can never be a true state of peace among them until they, as a nation, call on him. Time is passing quickly and the church will be taken to her reward someday. After that, Israel has a lot to go through. Much of it will be bad until they once again receive the good and how good it will be. It's going to be a terrible time on this earth. Israel, it says that two-thirds of them are not going to make it through. It's going to be a terrible, terrible time. But somehow, they are going to search the scriptures. They're going to see something on YouTube. I don't know what's going to change the collective mind of those people, but they will realize that Jesus is the fulfillment of every messianic prophecy in the Bible. And they're going to realize that. And then they're going to come to him, and they will enter into the millennial reign of Christ. And that's going to be a wonderful time on earth. Isaiah speaks of it. Other prophets speak of it. It's a time where Israel will be the head of the nations. And the law, it says, will go forth from Zion. It's going to be just wonderful. But until that day, pray for the people of Israel. Pray that their eyes will be opened, that people will be bold enough on their trips over there. We got uh, Don and Jody going over there soon on a, you know, a, a trip with uh, Jose, the guy that was here, the uh, the missionary guy that travels all over the place. He's going to have a tour there. I think it's in November, and they're going to go and visit. And I hope that while they're there, they'll talk to some people, maybe meet somebody in a store when they're buying something and say, let me tell you about the promised hope of Jesus. This is what we want to pray for, that people will have their minds open now. And those people will be taken at the rapture, and Israel will be left to decide what to do about it. So keep them in prayer. And Above all, for the people that listen to this sermon or that, uh, you know, attend the superior word, the one thing that you want to do is to make sure that your salvation is secure. It's not difficult. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Jesus has already done it all for you. He came and lived the perfect life under the law that was necessary for us to be redeemed from the law. And in his fulfillment of the law and in his death, which was the final part of that fulfillment, he said it is finished. It's done. The law is finished in Jesus Christ, and he died. And that's a picture of the law dying in him. And so now, all that God asks of us, it's right there in the Bible. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Christ died for our sins, according to Scripture. That means that you're a sinner. If you acknowledge that Christ died for your sins, you're saying, I have sin that somebody needed to die for. Christ was buried. He went into the grave proving that he was dead. He didn't just swoon, as these liberal theologians like to say. He went into the grave with your sin. And on the third day, he came out of the grave, according to the scriptures. He rose. He wouldn't have risen if he had sin of his own. That's for certain. He'd still be in the grave to this day. But not only that, he would not have risen if your sin stuck to him. Your sins are buried in that grave. He came out free from any of the sin that was imputed to him from us. And his righteousness is then imputed to you. Believe the gospel. 
Just believe that simple message that Christ has done it all and you will be saved. That's what the Bible teaches. The moment you believe, you will be sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And it's done. You'll be failing him, I assure you. If you're like me, you'll fail him a lot. But God has already taken care of that. He's factored in your failings. So just call on Jesus and be reconciled to God. I got a closing verse here for you from Zephaniah 3. It's verses 11 and 12. In that day, you shall not be shamed for any of your deeds in which you transgress against me. For then I will take away from your midst those who rejoice in your pride, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. I will leave in your midst a meek and humble people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. That's a promise. It's coming on Israel. Replacement theology says, oh, that all applies to the church. The Jews are out. What kind of a God would leave the people that he covenanted with in that manner? That will never happen. He didn't make the covenant with us. It wasn't the Gentiles standing there at Mount Sinai. It was a collective group of people known as Israel. And they will be tended to because he's a faithful God. And he will bring them in. And they shall trust in the name of the Lord. Good stuff. Pride, Pride, absolutely. Pride is a real problem. And it's in all of us. We need to quash our pride. We need to set it aside. And we need to live humbly before the Lord our God. Next week is Joshua 24. It's verses 1 through 5. It is a truth to which we applaud as well as for all he has done. It is entitled, For He is a Holy God. Part 1. Thank you, Jay. That'll be our 55th Joshua sermon. (laughs) The Lord has you exactly where he wants you. He has a good plan and a purpose for you. It is he who has defeated the enemy and who now offers his people rest. And so follow him and trust him, and he will do marvelous things for you and through you, okay? All right, now I've got a a, uh, question for you. And this is actually hard because I was wrong when I went to make sure. I realized it, and I'll tell you why in a second, but one of you is going to get this, I'll bet. (laughs) If you do, you get this. It's $10 Chick-fil-A, okay. How many psalms of ascents are there? Okay, wrong, wrong, and wrong. Um, That's okay. Pretty soon somebody's going to get it. I was going to say 14, and here's why. I always, I do this all the time. I'm the worst person with math on the planet. I always forget to add the first one. So it's Psalm 120 through 134. So I think in my head 14, and I've always thought that because it ends on 134, right? It's 15 because you got to count the first one. Did you? I didn't hear that. Andy got it. Good job. You you got to call out louder. Uh, That's okay. Call out louder. I'm glad. This is waiting for you. I didn't want to be wrong. That was my pride. That's your pride. Pride sets you up for a downfall. Okay. Well, you got, okay, just so everybody knows, somebody did get that, but it was just a very quiet 15, which I couldn't have heard. Okay, pull them, and we'll be out of here in a minute. All right. This is not one word has failed. Isn't God wonderful? I mean, he says he's going to do something, and he does it. First Kings 5, or 8.56, not one word has failed. Not one word has failed, absolutely. It's just wonderful. Now it came to pass a long time after, the Lord had given rest to Israel back on that page 
from all their enemies round about that Joshua was old, advanced in age. And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, all these he did engage, for their judges and for their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. It's true. See, I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes according to this word. From the Jordan, with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So he will do. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses through and through, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, and lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you. You shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not act that way. You shall not serve them nor bow down to them, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. He said it would be this way. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God, so you shall do. Or else, if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you as told not to do, and make marriages with them, and go into them, and they to you, Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, so to you I apprise. But they shall be snares and traps to you, and scourges on your sides, and thorns in your eyes. Until you perish from this good land, this word is true, which the Lord your God has given you. Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls, too, that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. His word has prevailed, and not one of them has failed. Therefore, it shall come to pass that as all the good things have come upon you this way, which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all harmful things that day until he has destroyed you from this good land, which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you doing what you should not do and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you on that day and you shall perish quickly from the good land, which he has given you. So to you, I say, Lord God, turn our hearts to be obedient to your word. Give us wisdom to be ever faithful to you. May we carefully heed each thing we have heard. Yes, Lord God, may our hearts be faithful and true. And we shall be content and satisfied in you alone. We will follow you as we sing our songs of praise. Hallelujah to you, to us, your path you have shown. Hallelujah. We shall sing to you for all of our days. Hallelujah and amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the story of your faithfulness to your covenant people. You have preserved them through thick and thin for 3,500 years, just as you promised them when they stood there before you at Mount Sinai. And yet they have turned from you. They have been disobedient. The curses have come upon them, and yet you have preserved them through such times because of your faithfulness. 
and we know the same is true with us. We know that you have promised it. It's in your word. Your word is a reflection of who you are, and so we can rejoice that our salvation is secure even when we mess up in your presence. You've already figured that in. Help us to not do that. Help us to be faithful and true to you all of our days, but when we fail, thank you for the grace you have bestowed. What a great God you are. We love you. We praise you, we exalt you, and we do all of this in the name of your beautiful Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen.